Welcome to Beyond the Shelf. I'm Scott Curry with Chef's Best. We gather to talk about the trends in marketing, retail, production, and food and beverage that are shaping the industry. Joining us today is entrepreneur and CPG marketing expert, Vasa Martinez. Vasa is the founder of Growth Buster, a social media marketing agency for food and beverage startups. Recently named by Adweek as one of 15th fastest growing agencies in the country and recognized by Inc. 500 regionals as one of the fastest growing companies. He's also founder and CEO of Perfy, low sugar soda enhanced with nootropics and aptogens. He is also chief marketing officer for Outer Isle and was previously the founder of creative studio Needs Pop and marketing director for Legendary Foods, Real Good Foods, and Quest Nutrition. Vasa, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I don't know how you have time. You, you must be pretty busy the, these days. How do you balance it all? Um, it's actually not too bad. You know, there was a couple past uh, jobs that I had that required a, a lot of time, even before I even got into marketing. So um, the work ethic has always been there. These days, it's more about tailoring a little bit of balance. Any uh, immediate life hacks you can think of that you could share with listeners when you're juggling, you know, several different roles, several different companies? Uh, how do you manage your calendar control? Um, I actually don't have, I don't use Calendly anymore. I, I really prefer the manual input. A lot of people are very against that. They say any sort of um, activities that you repeat day, day in and day out, you want to automate. But for me, I like seeing um, what's up upcoming in my calendar so I can balance days that are really, you know, thought and brain intensive. Um, and the way that I really balance that is when I, I think I have like three different gears. One is like all in deep work in the flow. Another one is where I kind of, I, I clock out completely. So the exact opposite of that, where I'm like, I don't even want to touch my phone, look at it, nothing like that. And then the, the last one's a mixture of the two. I really enjoy, um, you know, time relaxing and watching movies that I can learn from or different pieces of content. And sometimes with that, I'm also like checking out my phone to try to like double up the learning. So there's really three gears that I have and it seemed to have been a, a pretty good balance for me. It's a great acknowledgement of the different gears there too. Um, I think, you know, a lot of us just kind of keep plotting, not recognizing that, you know, maybe today's not the day to have pedal to the metal and that you could feel okay about that uh, and to maybe let yourself rest. And it reminds me a little bit of, I'm not sure, it might have been, you know, the kind of, I guess you'd call him famous business philosopher Naval. I think he had said something like, you want to be a lion, not a cow. You know, a cow just kind of eats a little bit all day, every day, never too intense, but just keeps chomping away. But a lion goes hard and then rests and then goes hard and then rests. So it sounds like you've maintained a good balance that's working for you. Yeah, it took a while to get there, to be honest. Um, when I when I started the agency after I left Quest and, and Legendary and Real Good, I, I think I only had one gear and things got pretty, pretty bad <laughs> during that one gear. And um, I had to learn to develop the other two gears to try to get my health back in order. And um, it's been working so far. If you're always evolving and speaking of evolving, let's talk about Growth Busters. Uh, so this is the agency, social media marketing agency. Tell us a little bit about what you do and, and maybe share what need in the market you saw that was not being fulfilled. You obviously uh, had a successful career going, working for different uh, food and beverage brands, uh, but you must have saw a hole in the market that you wanted to, f wanted to fulfill. So um, talk a little bit about what you saw and why you started Growth Busters. Yeah, one thing I noticed um, from my time at Quest and moving into Legendary and Real Good 
was that organic social was looked about looked at so differently back then. I think Quest did a great job of like actually I think they were one of the first CPG brands to truly create a community through organic social. Uh, these days it's more of more of a buzzword. And some people are actually truly doing it. Um, and some people are just using the buzzword. And for me, the gap in the market in, in social media management was the thought process that goes into creating content within context, or basically just not pictures of your product that a lot of brands often still post to this day. I think one of the other things was that um, people really didn't plan out their their social media calendars um, on, on organic social back then. I think it's much more um, in use these days. So I, I tied the editorial calendar creation, the art direction around the why behind each piece of content. Basically, each piece of content needed its own um, creative brief. And then all of them together, when you look at them in the macro, should achieve certain results and certain goals, brand story, you know, different things like why the product even exists. But it, the, 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 the key there was to, to balance education and, and entertainment across all brands that I had worked with prior to um, starting Growthbuster. And in 2017, I realized, well, why, why pigeon my, pigeonhole myself into um, a role that can only do X, Y, and Z when I really wanted to spread the wings and, and develop different skills and expedite the growth of my career. So I began Growthbuster at first. It was just literally my, my own consultancy. And then I was like, oh, this is actually kind of something. We worked with awesome brands like Cave Shake and Proats and Smart Suites. And, and then I was like, oh, I should probably turn this into an actual business. And I did that for a year. It went well. The following year, I, uh, I had heard about a brand that was pre-launch and I ran into their Instagram through another client of ours. And that brand happened to be uh, magic spoon. And I was like, Whoa, this seems cool. We, we specialize in food and beverage, but particularly we specialize in low carb foods. And th this was high protein, low carb. And it was one of my first reach outs. Everything else until that time had been uh, referral based. And to this day, it's still really only referral. I don't really reach out to LinkedIn and try to work with people. It's not my style, but that was really the second chapter of GB where creating a very awesome execution for a, a pre-launch brand that went into launch exceeded expectations that really turned the, you know, turned the page for us and allowed us to have a reputation greater than it once was. I want to talk a little bit about, you know, you, this creative approach your agency takes because you mentioned organic social and I think you slipped a nugget in there about, you know, how it can be misdefined. How could you define organic social for us and uh, draw a contrast between maybe what other, you know, people think it might be um, and what the opposite of organic social is as well? Yeah. So organic social to me, and I think to many people is basically owned media, um, owned, like your owned channels, uh, what you post on your Instagram handle. So everyone has their own personal Instagram handle. I'm sure what you post on your Instagram handle is your own organic social content. Now just transfer that over to a brand, you know, Perfy's organic social is what Perfy posts on Instagram or TikTok or Pinterest or even Facebook or Twitter. That's organic social. It becomes paid social in, in my book when you start deploying ad dollars towards it, whether it's a boost or a spark or whatever that may be, that's when it becomes an ad. Um, and even then there's people that are, uh, 
There's something called whitelisting where brands work with influencers or creators to post on their own organic social where they have their own community and ads are served through their handle, if that makes sense. Yeah. So that's, that's organic social to me, even, you know, like I, I think a blog is organic social. It's, you know, owned media. Um, I, I can get real philosophical around these things and it's not always the, the common, you know, way of thinking about it. But I think anything that you own, where if you were to start talking to, let's say you were going to get acquired, anything that's part of your house file to me is owned media within owned media is a subcategory of organic social. You know, you could, I appreciate how nuanced you're speaking because it seems that something is lacking is this level of nuance. Um, you know, when, when social media arrived, let me do the, I'm old enough to remember bit here. Um, you know, it was seen as like, oh, it's free. It doesn't cost anything. Right. And it, it kind of trained companies and particularly maybe folks that are running some of these companies now that, that think, well, I don't have to pay for it. Right. But what they're failing to understand in my view, and tell me if you agree with this, you mentioned education and entertainment, that the currency of social media is time. And it, it's a constant battle of who will acquire the time of someone that is online. And Facebook, TikTok, et cetera, are going to reward those that uh, spent that that are able to get that in time because all they care about is engagement, right? Facebook, TikTok, their goal is to keep someone on that app, not for five minutes, for, but for 10 minutes, or of course, 10 hours, whatever. I feel as if a lot of folks don't understand that yet because the proof being you mentioned, you know, they just post their product, right? That's not either education or entertainment. And if, and if I'm going to give you my time, whether it's two hours, right? I buy a ticket for something. I want to be either educated or entertained, or if it's literally 12 seconds on a, on an app, if I'm not educated or entertained, which am I? I guess I'm bored or I'm disinterested. So you take a very, would you agree with that? And is that kind of an underlying philosophy and how, you know, it says on the Growth Buster website, how you're bringing creativity to the process, but you're also folding in the strategy of the company. Yeah, I think that's accurate. Both the currency for the brand is, is time. It takes time to develop an idea. It takes time to execute it. And it's also going to take dollars, whether it's an in-house person that you're paying through payroll or an, uh, someone that's a contractor for your company that you're paying as a, a 1099 or, or it's someone that you outsource like an agency or, or creators who are making their own businesses of it. No matter what, there's, there's time and, and dollars involved. There's just really no getting around it. Even if, you know, like I remember the old school days where my mom had friends and clients where I, I'd fill up gumball machines and they'd pay me like next to nothing, but it, it was still my time. Mm -hmm. um, and it was still, you know, their, their dollars, which was pennies to the dollar of what they would pay someone that was an adult. Either way, there's, there's some sort of uh, investment involved. And that's the exact word that people don't use enough, especially founders that I've worked with. Organic social is an investment. And Oftentimes people get stuck in, I want to do what X, Y, and Z competitor is doing. And they automatically assume like they, they skip from A to Z so quickly, but they forget about everything in between that X, Y, and Z competitor had done. And if it's a competitor that, that's really polished and knows what they're doing, there's a lot of time involved. It's like things aren't just 
Like a, there's no magic pill to create a, a great execution on organic social. And there's brands out there that have great organic social and poor execution on paid. So ultimately the main thing is in order to create, to turn your company into a pseudo media company, it takes the investment of time and dollars. And the key word there is investment. Again, back in the day, you had what you had two options, PR or buy ads, right? Whether it's yeah. billboard, TV, print or whatever. So people knew that they had to make an investment. It, it's almost like with social media, because you could, and brands do, because you could just post something, you think, wow, I didn't have to make an investment. But they're really probably wasting their time, right? You, you, you post a photo, whatever it may be, you reach 32 people, um, you feel you've done something, but because you're not having to come up front with a monetary investment, because you can do that without making a monetary investment, unlike placing a newspaper ad, you had to start with something, right? Money is on the table. It feels like uh, laziness became, you know, kind of like the original sin of social media. So it's exciting to talk to someone that is recognizing creativity, strategy. And and you kind of hinted towards something there. You know, something that goes, would you agree, you know, something that really goes viral or either way just creates a lot of reach within an audience you want to. It's not a, a, by accident, right? It's not luck. I think people think it might be, um, but there's a lot of investment. There's a lot of time behind that. And I want to pivot into what you call uh, creative and community building. Um, it, it often seems like Brand managers will say they have a community. I think it makes everyone feels good, feel good, right? Um, it certainly probably works in in boardrooms, um, and specifically, you know, saying online community of evangelists. But we know this can't be true, right? Not there's whatever ten million companies in the United States. They're not all building a community. Um, how do you go about building a community? Define community. Re- how do we recognize what it is, and how do you go about building it? Um, and then measuring its impact to positive business metrics. Yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll answer that question with one word, but then I want to uh, take sure. a step back and go into the history of, of you know, organic social and social media in general. So I define community as a feeling. And there's a certain feeling that you have for brands. And you're probably thinking like, well, how do you measure a feeling? You, you really can't on an Excel spreadsheet. You can't really feel it anywhere else other than I love this brand. I love everything they, that they stand for. So you're going to have to search for, you know, qualitative uh, KPIs on social. What are people saying about your brand when you're not there? A lot of people have told me, Hey, I love Perfy um, to my face or in a Twitter DM, but they'll leave a review on a third party thing where they, they didn't like it so much. So what do people say about your brand when you're not around? That's your reputation. That is your brand. And essentially that's what the, like that's the community, but we, we got to take a step back and, and to, to really define community in today's landscape. When, when Facebook first came out, it was in 2002, 2003. And I was a freshman in college. And I think there was seven university email uh, addresses that you could use to create a Facebook account. It was called the Facebook. Everyone at UCLA was talking about it. There was like Carnegie Mellon, UCLA, and I, I think a few other, whichever one Zuckerberg went to, Harvard or Yale or whatever. And 
when you went on there, there was a feeling that you got when you connected with your friends. Funny dorm room pictures was the, were the profile pictures. You'd be seeing updates on your friend and what they're doing in, in uh, economics or what they're doing in poli sci or what they're doing in chemistry or whatever. And that was entertaining, but it was also pretty educational because you knew what your friends were up to. You were telling your friends uh, what you were up to. And it even goes back to me all the way back to AOL and, and AIM. An instant messenger when you had the away messages like brb and all of those sorts of things and then you went into chat rooms and all of that stuff so community is is a feeling to me because you need to show that your audience or your customers that you're an actual human and there's brands that i think do well that take themselves too seriously and there's brands that do even better that don't take themselves too seriously. They're all about building in public. This is what we're up to. Good example, I think today is the, the brand probably doing it the best, I think is Midday Squares. They've turned themselves into a satellite media company that happens to sell chocolate. And they're doing such a great job of that because each one of their fans is becoming a customer or each one of their customers then becomes a fan. At the end of the day, if you look at the sentiment of when they're not around, if you scour the internet and see what people are saying behind their backs, if you will, it's all pretty positive. They're building a an amount of people that are saying good things behind their back. Now, there's the exact opposite. There's the brands that don't have any customer support that take, you know, four days to respond to a support ticket that charge you an X amount for, you know, shipping and they, they don't even get back to you by the time it should have even shipped. They don't have, you know, tracking on the shipping for you. There's all of these different things along the customer journey that ultimately add up to community. And the last thing I'll say about this is there are founders out there and it still happens to this day. And I don't know how, how people do this, but they buy followers because they want to sell <laughs> that they have a community. Very easy to sniff through. We actually don't work with brands that buy followers. Um, we've had too many, too much struggle with that. But the thing is this, I would rather have 1000 screaming fans than 100,000 mannequins in my audience. And what I mean by that is 1,000 screaming fans, they're buying merch, they're buying beer and soda and water at the concessions, they're buying nachos, they're buying hot dogs, burgers, they're dancing along to your music, or if you play harder music, maybe they're mosh pitting. They are lighting lighters when you play like a, a ballad. That is community. Now, if you think about 100,000 mannequins in the audience, they are quite literally staying still. They're not animated. They're not buying anything. And to me, that's a long-winded way of saying that's community. Uh, it's a great picture to, to paint. And not just because I was at a concert this weekend and bought my first t-shirt. Which one? <laughs> I became a, 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 went from a fan to a raving fan. And, and you know, I've probably told 10 people about the concert. So there you go. Which, which concert was it? Uh, Goose. Okay. Uh, check them out. That's all I can say. All right. Well. Uh, it was at the Greek theater uh, in LA and one of their, their songs is post is posted on YouTube and is well worth a watch. But okay. I, I could talk on and on about Goose, but I won't I won't spend the whole time here promoting them. But, but real quick, that's that's yeah. community. That's what you mm -hmm. say about the band behind their back. That's exactly it. Mm -hmm. It's one community that's finding something else that really excites them and um, better than mannequins, as you said. There were, you know, people leaving there going, "That was one of the best concerts I've ever seen." It wasn't just. 100,000 mannequins standing yep. there. Um, I want to talk about Perfy a little bit, but I also want to just do a little quick, you seem game for it, a little rapid fire here, marketing yeah. questions. 
All right. So we'll just try and keep these answers short and we'll, 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 we'll come right at you. Yep. What do you say to business owners that have not invested deeply in marketing and want to see immediate growth? Good luck. <laughs> what social media? Okay. So businessman, uh, business owner comes in and they say, what social media channel should I choose? This was a tough to keep. It's very tough to keep short. It depends on the founder. Some founders are operators. Some founders are promoters. If they're promoters, um, I think TikTok, LinkedIn, sometimes even Twitter. Hell, sometimes even Reddit. Um, mm. I just really think it, it depends on the founder. If they're averse to spending any sort of capital, whether it's $1 for photography or ads, um, it's going to be go to the, go to LinkedIn, drop knowledge, provide value, and build your business that way. Do you know three value posts, then one sell. Um, same for Twitter, Reddit. Um, it just really depends on the founder. Mm. All right. Business owner comes in and says, our logo is our brand. I'm going to keep you to 30 seconds on this one. Yeah, it's not. Your <laughs> reputation is your brand. But Vasa, marketing is just too expensive. I don't have the budget yet. Yeah, uh, not marketing is more expensive. I've seen brands um, quite literally become insolvent because they didn't value it enough. You're crushing it, but this will be the last one. If I can just get into retail... Yeah. Um, depends on the product category. I think for beverage, I could speak to that personally. I got to be in retail and I got to win in retail. Um, I know that I can. Uh, but if you have a product that doesn't have product market fit, you're not going to win in retail or online. Awesome. You're a good sport. Let's talk about Perfy a little bit. So low sugar enhanced with nootropics and aptogens. I have a lot of questions, you know, curious about a lot of things here. Um, you hear nootropics. It's mentioned a lot in wellness circles. Admittedly, I was not familiar with aptogens, but according to the Cleveland Clinic, I'll read a little definition. Aptogens are plants and mushrooms that help your body respond to stress, anxiety, fatigue, and overall well-being. Sign me up. So I'm intrigued. Uh, talk about health benefits of nootropics and aptogens. Feel free to sprinkle in there how and why you started Perfy. Yeah, I think it all starts with why I started Perfy and then why those are ingredients in there. Um, in 2017, I started under, undergoing a tremendous amount of loss across friends and family members, ranging from diabetes, uh, deaths, to suicide, accidental fentanyl overdoses. Um, it's honestly like 15 to 18 friends of mine uh, from you know past lives, whether it was at Quest or before I even got into marketing. Uh, that weighed on me pretty heavily. I've kind of hinted at it earlier. I went too deep into one gear when I built Growth Buster. I spent 80 to 100 hours a week building it, working my ass off seven days a week. I coincidentally stopped working out. And because of that, um, there was stress, anxiety, pain. I, I, I don't know if I would say I was depressed, but likely I'm pretty sure I was. Um, that late, led to a tremendous amount of weight gain. Pre-diabetes, I reversed pre, the pre-diabetes in December in five weeks. I checked myself into a camp as though it was a, a, a drug addiction and reversed that. Lost 50 pounds since I finally started uh, addressing this problem. And one thing I was doing during that time was drinking uh, a lot of soda. Um, Dr. Pepper was my favorite of all, even though I was doing Dr. Pepper Zero or what used to be called Diet Dr. Pepper. Um, that has a negative impact on your pancreas. It tricks your pancreas into secreting insulin. You become insulin resistant because you, your pancreas thinks that you're consuming sugar when you're not. And this, these artificial sweeteners. Um, so I put those two things together, combined two different um, market landscapes, one being functional carbonated soft drink, the other being 
the mental fitness industry. Uh, mental fitness industry is three times the size of the car- functional carbonated soft drink industry. Together, I can pull share. And what I did was create a delicious full sugar soda type beverage um, and replicated, you know, fi- sodas from the 90s that I loved, like Hawaiian Punch, Cactus Cooler, Sunkissed, and our fourth SKU launches next week called Dr. Perfy. And I t- flipped them on its head, took everything bad out of it, no preservatives, nothing artificial, and uh, two to four grams of sugar. And um, I added, it's a low sugar soda at heart, but I added the, the supplements I was taking during the tough four or five past years. And that was L-theanine, ashwagandha, turmeric. Um, each flavor has its own variety of that. I chose those three ingredients. The, the nootropic is L-theanine. That's across all four SKUs. And the adaptogen is either ashwagandha or turmeric, turmeric in the citrus flavors, ashwagandha in the fruit punch and Dr. Perfy flavors. And why I chose them is because those ingredients on a scale of one to 10 in terms of efficacy over time and safety over time are tens. You can drink one today and drink one 10 years from now, and it'll be just as effective and just as safe. Wow. Um, You know, one question I have with aptogens, nootropics, and these I want to be careful because, well, let me just disclaim it, right? We're not giving medical advice here. Correct. Um, But you hear more and more, mostly anecdotal, I would say at this point. I'm not sure what studies are out there um, about the positive benefits of of these ingredients. Yet, and and we know, right? Here's, um, I I think it's fair to say a fact is we are a very stressed out, anxiety-ridden, fatigued uh, nation. What do we need to do? What are the necessary steps for wider adoption of, if not these substances, others? You know, I, I want to I want to look at this kind of holistically. The, the big issue here: what barriers need to be overcome? Again, these are not magical elixirs. However, you, you know, you, I'm sure you've got a wheelbarrow full of stories. I know, folks, as well. What do we need to do as a society to recognize that there are solutions out there and and make it more widely adopted? Because I will wager that if I go survey 100 people walking down the street, even just a simple question, have you ever heard of nootropics? 1% probably agree with me. 1% might might say, yeah, I've heard of that. Um how do we get that to, I don't know, 15, 20% in in understanding? What what are the major steps we have to take or are we just i don't know i'm going to throw this out there beholden to the farmer and pill industry um because it it seems like we need to change <laughs> now we, quickly we do there's tons of founders out there that have created product pr- products that solve problems the thing that we cannot solve for is greed and the greed comes into play i've got a, a statistic for you or, or just a, a little tidbit. There was a professor named Fred Stare, and he was um, the chair of the Harvard School of Public Health. He, for, for just to keep the story short, mm-hmm. he basically falsified the benefits of sugar because he was paid by the Sugar Association and big players in, that use soda or sugar in their sodas. And it wasn't until years after he retired and I think even after he passed away that it was found out that there was a conflict of interest in his funding and his results. More recently, there was like this new food pyramid. You've probably seen it. It's a bar graph that's horizontal. And it says that frosted mini wheats 
Lucky Charms, I think Honey Nut Cheerios and foods like that are better for you, like in terms of health and, and longevity, than meat, cheese, eggs. And it turns out that 95% of the people that invested in that study had a conflict of interest. So to me, that the, the one word that I can go back to is if these people weren't so greedy, they know that these, these things are profitable. They know that there's profit to be made off people's lack of metabolic health and disease. I think that if it's, it's greed, that's the answer, but you can't solve for that. You can't make somebody not greedy. You can't make an industry not greedy. So for me, I, I think it starts with understanding that anybody that has a better for you product or what I like to call best for you product, you're at a disadvantage. One, because you can't say too much about the truths out there because likely you're probably going to sell to people who are creating the problems. So if you work, I, I mean, there's four or five big food companies that own hundreds and hundreds of well-known name brands that just aren't good for you. And even when they acquire those brands, they likely switch formulations to make a bigger profit. So people like me have to be careful in, in the amount of education and truths that we put out there because chances are other founders are looking to sell to those big companies down the line. And that I think is rooted in greed as well. So it's just a, it's a tough one to, to go out there. Like I'm the FDA it's, I think legally assumed as safe, I think is the term for ingredients like adaptogens and nootropics. I mean, I think the biggest one out there, I, I don't smoke marijuana or weed or pot, whatever you call it. I don't smoke it, but I know that it's, Anyone that I, I've ever known that has smoked it has been a very nice person. You know, I've never seen any anyone do anything bad that does that, but yet it's still federally illegal, you know? So mm -hmm. total different subject. But for me, it's it's just a, it's a tough one. And we just have to continue putting education out there and walking a fine line of the type of claims we make. There's a brand out there. Uh, I won't name them, um, but there's a brand out there that makes gummies that went a little too far with the claims they made for their ashwagandha gummies. And they're paying the price now. It's a great, elegant answer. Uh, I think, needless to say, there's we could go on for hours, and there's many other podcasts out there that would cover some of the the more systemic challenges and, and topics that you alluded to there. Um, but a great, great, elegant answer. And you know, so what can we do? Support brands, right? Yeah. Support brands that are uh, bringing. I love it. You said great for you, not just better for you, but great for you, or best for you. Um, products to the market that provides capital so that they can expand, they can get the message out and uh, probably have to see it as generational opportunity and not an overnight uh, solution. Yeah. If I could just touch one more thing. Um, I, I think that Gen Z is doing a great job at seeking this sort of honesty from, from brands. They're loud, they're proud, and they are, they're not effing around. You know, they're saying this is what we want from our products and um, brands have to find a way to solve that need for them. And I, I think they will help out in making this sort of change. And they're starting families. They're moving into the management positions. They'll be in the executive positions. And uh, I, I, for one, am optimistic about that group and think that, well, it's always common to, to bash the generations below. I think they've been a little bit overly bashed and, uh, I, for one, am optimistic about their enthusiasm and desire to not only see change, but create it as well. So let's talk about how folks can uh, get a hold of you. Um, 
said, right now you're involved with a lot of companies. I have this weird, weird suspicion, Vasa, that you've got a third act in your career life that is out there somewhere. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, you're running Growth Buster. Um, if you're a brand out there that's a startup, or I might even suggest a mature startup would, would benefit from any conversation with you, uh, they can go to growthbuster.com. We talked about Perfy. That's at drinkperfy. That's P-E-R-F-Y.com. But what I really want to encourage folks is to give you a follow on LinkedIn. Um, over 5,000 people follow you, so I'm not the only one that agrees that you post outstanding content. Uh, no surprise, it's creative, digestible, uh, bite-sized, but deep at the same time. Um, so people can find you. It's well, You can just look it up, but it's Vasa Martinez is the backslash after LinkedIn um, to give you a follow there. Uh, if any of these topics are of interest to you, then uh, I can attest that you will receive good good uh, topical information in your feed on LinkedIn, which is a lot of junk on there. Uh, so when uh, I was introduced to you, it was, it was great to see someone that knows how to use LinkedIn, doing it well, and is bringing value, right? You're either educating or entertaining, and you're doing both on there. So Thank you. Walk it, walk in the walk, if you will. Um, any other way that folks can can get in touch with you? Uh, Vasa Martinez on Twitter. Um, little more on the entertaining side there. I try to crack <laughs> some dad jokes. Um, less <laughs> educational. Uh, more building in public on what's going on with Perfi and the state of food and beverage and CPG. Um, those are the main two places. Vasa Martinez on Twitter. Vasa Martinez on LinkedIn. Awesome. Well, this has been way too enjoyable to ask you for your best dad joke. So, uh, oh, I got one for you. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, this, this is a homemade one, too. So I'm not going to take one off of a meme page. Uh, what do you call a pessimistic fruit? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> a cantaloupe. Oh, gosh. Yeah, ter- <laughs> terrible. <laughs> yeah, the worse the pun, the better. Yeah. All right, Vasa, this has been a pleasure. Um, just wonderful, great insights. You have such a grasp. Look, it's not a grasp for the mediums. I I think you have a a great grasp of people and what they want uh, and how to engage with them. And, um, you know, the deep-rooted maybe social psychology of that, which um, we touched on it is far too overlooked. And people just see a medium as something to just do rather than uh, understand the folks on the other side and how to engage with them. So we appreciate you. sharing highly nuanced but concise insights. Thank you so much. All right. Um, Again, Vasa Martinez, Perfy, uh, Growth Buster, but check them out. Again, follow on LinkedIn. It'll be worth it. Thanks again, Vasa. Thanks for having me. Take care. Thank you for joining us on Beyond the Shelf, presented by Chef's Best. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy listening to episodes. 